Well, uh, it is midsummer here, and we're in July, and we're in a summer series called Resilient Faith. And what we're trying to do is figure out how can we have a faith in Jesus that will stick, not just for a year or two years or even a decade, but for a lifetime. And uh, so many of us, this last year has tested our faith. I don't know about you. What you believe about God, what you believe about what he's doing, what you believe about what he's not seemingly doing in the world right now. It's been shaken up. Yet you find in the Bible, and that's the reason we go to the Bible every week, you find real people who have a faith that is tested and stays. A resilient faith, as we're defining it, is a posture of the heart and the mind and and the soul that is steadfast in following Jesus, even while living in a culture that's going against that pursuit. That's a long way of saying most people aren't even concerned about their faith in Jesus. Yet, we're called to live resilient, to actually have a mindset and a heart set and a life set that's for Jesus, even though no one else is or few are. So last week we looked at Hannah. If you missed it, it's online on our YouTube and on our audio podcast. And Hannah is this beautiful example of humble obedience. She has a heart for God and she's barren, yet God hasn't forgotten her. And now that we look back, we see how important her life is because of her faithfulness to God, she receives the gift of grace and the gift of a child. Not only should she get a child, but that child, Samuel, is going to be a transition, hear me, for the whole country. And in a sense, for the world, because they were in the season of the judges, a spiraling out of control. You see, God had made an agreement. The Bible calls it a covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And what is that about? It's about God saying, I love you. And I want to live with you. And I want you to live with me. And I'm going to show you my love and my presence. And here's what I require. When you get to know me and my love, live faithful to me in return. What do you do when someone gives you love you don't deserve? The right response is to love them back in return. And that was the call of God's people. Yet in the season of the judges, generation after generation, It goes from bad to worse. They go against God. Then they go vehemently against God. And then they go grossly against God. And it's just a tragic story. But every time they call back on God, God is faithful and he reaches out to them with love. That's just the God that we know. And at the end of the Judges, there's this telling line. We read it last week. I'll read it again. Judges 12, 25. In those days, Israel had no king. Everybody did as they saw fit. And that's just life today. How do we have a a faith that lasts in a culture and a mindset which says, do whatever you want, who cares, it's up to you? Well, you get an example of Hannah, and today we're gonna look at the example of Ruth. Because Ruth's life is on display in this time of the judges. The story of Ruth is powerful, but the story of Ruth, when you understand where it's happening and when it's happening, is even more powerful because she has an encounter with God in the middle of a mindset and a worldview that's totally chaotic. 
And so here's what I want us to do. Some of you are familiar with the story of Ruth. It's just four chapters in the Bible. It will take you five to seven minutes to read it. We're going to read just the beginning. And I want to highlight one dimension of resilient faith. There's one repeated word three times that sets the tone for the whole book and the heart of God for you when it comes to how you follow Jesus. Ruth 1, we'll start in verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The, man, the man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. It sounds like Star Wars, but Malon and Kilion. Uh, there were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, what happens in Moab? Now, Elimelech, Naomi, uh, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons, and they married Moabite women, one named Orpah, and the other, Ruth. That's where you get Oprah, a misspelling of Orpah. True story, Google it. After they had lived, you think I'm kidding. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Weird way to start a story, and if you're hearing this in the ancient days, this is actually makes sense. This is the beginning of a tragic story. Why? In this time, God's blessing was with his people, and his people were given a place. God said to Abram, I'm going to give you this land, and you're going to thrive with me here. But hear me, my blessing comes with my presence, and my presence is here. So in a time of trouble, what happens with Elimelech? What kind of person is he? What kind of values does he have? We know, in the ancient days, you know, the Moabites were against the people of God. They didn't worship Yahweh. They wanted to destroy them and take over their land. But here's what happens. Elimelech, when trouble hits, leaves his God. Because that's the only reason. God, you can't provide for me, your son, in your land, and I'm going to go where I can get mine. And in the last 18 months, if you don't believe this story is alive, then you haven't been alive. So many, and maybe you're one of those people who are hear this story and resonate. So many during a time of trouble have not pressed into the heart of God, have not pressed in to the word of God, the presence of God, but instead have gone to whatever would feed them. And so Moab may not be a place where you live, but you could be living on Netflix right now. You could be living on, on endless entertainment, leaving the presence of God, and interestingly enough, too busy for God because you're going to find your fill somewhere else. Hello, story of Ruth. And so what you see in this is a, a good word on resilient faith, but the good word starts with a tragedy. Now, what happens uh, to them? Elimelech dies. And the, the, there's a direct parallel here. He shouldn't have. 
But he abandons his people, he abandons his God, and the wages and the outgrowth of sin and rebellion is always death and destruction. You say, well, God's mean. No, he's not. God provides a place of blessing, a people of blessing, and the promise of blessing, but it's within what he's designed, not what we designed. And whenever you leave God's place of blessing, don't be surprised when there's an emptiness in your soul. That's how God wired you. He wired you for him. And whenever you go for a substitute, what you're gonna get is not going to satisfy. So not only does he die, his sons marry Moabite women. This was like the thing you don't do. But notice when their heart and their mind and their soul is not resilient, you end up making choices you later regret. Well, this seems like the end until God speaks. Look at verse 6. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. Look, look. They went for food to the place where God was not. And where was their food? In the place of God's presence. You see, no matter what we're chasing after, it will not satisfy. But then she hears the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is God is alive. And so Naomi does what's right. Look, if God is dealing with you, then listen to the word of God. And she returns, she comes back to the place of blessing. With her two daughter-in-laws, verse 7, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness. Underline that. That's the word. That's the word to resilient faith. As you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me, may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Here's the challenge. We read this and we don't think about it. In their day, a woman apart from her father or her husband is unprotected and in danger. So you have a tragedy. Three guys, disobedient, passed away. But the, the repercussions are terrible. Three women who are now in, in urgent danger. Because in their culture, there was no one to care and, and protect. And this is... This is a tragedy, but she does the right thing. She's going to turn around, and she prays that God would show kindness to these daughters-in-law. So may the Lord grant, verse 9, that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. In other words, Naomi's saying, God, I pray that their future is brighter than it is right now. Then she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to get another husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? I hope not. That'd be weird, man. It'd be really weird. Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Aha, she realizes that this was not God's doing. This was hers. And so now she wants to return, but she wants to send away these daughters with, with blessings. At this, they wept aloud again. 
Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. So Orpah goes and back to her land, back to her God, back to her faith. But Ruth, catch this, clung to her. Look, Naomi, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going to go back to her people and, and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to return back from you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. She's like, got tenacity. And where and there I will be buried. May the Lord, may Yahweh, may your God, deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was a tough cookie, not, not in the Bible, but that's true, was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. The place of God's blessing is in the, in the land. And Ruth knows enough now about Naomi's God and faith and people. And she's given the option she could go home, back to life the way she had it, or she could follow the path of God's blessing that is from Naomi's heritage. And she says, I, I'm, I'm going. Now, the, the turnaround point is in verse 8. Naomi said to her daughters, go back to your mother's home. And this phrase, may the Lord show kindness. Kindness here in English, it's probably one of the better words you could do, but it's a very complex word. English Bibles are translations, right, from the original languages. Here it would be Hebrew, and there's some Greek and Aramaic in the New Testament. And the word here is chesed, kind of like you're about to hawk something up. Not chesed. It's chesed, right? And this is a word that's robust. So here's what we're going to do. The Bible Project has done a great job of explaining to us this word. We want to see it, and then we want to come back to Ruth's story. If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this fourth phrase, loyal love. It translates the Hebrew word chesed, which is hard to translate into any language because it combines the ideas of love, generosity, and enduring commitment all into one. Chesed describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. Like in the story of Ruth, Ruth is a foreigner married to an Israelite man, but tragically her husband dies along with his brother and his father. All Ruth has left is her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi, who has nothing to give her. Naomi tells Ruth she should go back to her people, but instead, Ruth promises to stay by Naomi's side and take care of her. And as other people watch Ruth keep this promise over time, they call it an act of chesed. Notice that Ruth's chesed is not conditional or based on Naomi's worth. Rather, it's an expression of Ruth's character. She just is a generous and loving person who keeps her word. That's chesed. Now, Ruth's loyal love is truly inspiring, but the one who shows the most enduring chesed in the Bible is God. Like in the story about Jacob, who is a treacherous liar even to his own family. But despite that, God chooses him and repeats the promise he made to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, that he would have a huge family through whom God would restore his blessings to nations. 
And so 20 years later, when Jacob realizes how undeserving he is, he says to God, I'm not worthy of all the chesed you've shown me. And he's right. But God's chesed was never about Jacob's worth in the first place. It's a display of God's generous loyalty to his promise. God's chesed continues into the story of Jacob's descendants, the Israelites. When they're enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt, we're told that God remembered his promise to Abraham and Jacob, so God defeats Egypt and raises up Moses to liberate the people and lead them into the promised land. And in the story, this is called an act of chesed because it was about God keeping his word. Now, on their way to the promised land, the Israelites are scared of the nations around them and they doubt that God can protect them. So the people threaten to kill Moses and appoint a new leader to take them back to Egypt. God is understandably hurt and angry, but Moses steps in and says, forgive the sin of these people because of your great chesed. Notice that Moses asked God to forgive, not because the people deserve it, but because it's consistent with God's own character. And God agrees, and he recommits himself to a people that don't want to be committed to him. In the Bible, God is loyal and loving for no other reason than it's just who God is. Of course he wants his people to respond with chesed in return, but even when they don't, God's chesed remains. The prophet Hosea compared Israel's chesed to a morning mist that's here one moment and gone the next. But God's chesed is enduring. Like in the celebration of Psalm 136 that opens by saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and then 26 times repeats, His chesed is forever. And so, after centuries of Israel betraying their commitment to God, and after humanity's long history of violence and death, God still kept his promise in a dramatic and drastic way by becoming human and binding himself to us in the person of Jesus. And the people who followed Jesus of Nazareth said that in him they encountered the God of Israel who is full of loyal love and faithfulness. Jesus is the ultimate loyal and loving human. And in his life, death, and resurrection, God opened up a new future for all of us and for all of creation. And God did this because it's just who God is, generous, loving, and eternally loyal to his promises. And when we experience the purity and power of God's loyal love shown through Jesus, it compels us to reimagine why and how we can show chesed back to God and to the people around us. This is what it means to say that God is overflowing with loyal love. Isn't that amazing? That's so good. Cartoons in church, I love it. Some of you look very unimpressed. Well, uh, chesed, loyal love. So uh, the NIV says kindness, and that's true. But there's a faithfulness tied to the kindness, and that's true. And there's a love that's sourced in the kindness, and that's true. So where does it show up in Ruth? Well, it hinted, but I want us to look at the three occasions. So Ruth 1.8, we already read. Um, Naomi asked, may Yahweh, may God show you his kindness as you have shown your kindness to me, this, this woman of God asked for God to be God to these ladies that she loves, which reminds us that loyal love, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, it's not sourced in us, it's sourced in God, which is going to be very helpful when you think about what resilient faith is like. Resilient faith isn't you working it up. 
Resilient faith is never you and I saying, I've got this. I can handle this. I can do this. The moment we get like that, the moment we realize we're going to be made low. Our faithfulness to God is only out of response to God's faithful love towards us, which is very helpful because I think sometimes we get tripped up into wondering, I don't know if I want to walk through this faith or I don't know if this whole Christianity is right for me, which is very subjective as if like faith is a, a changing of clothes, right? I don't know if this works. And sometimes we get distorted Views because what we'll do is like, I, well, if I could just find a church that lived out the way of Jesus, then I would believe or then I would participate, which when you understand loyal love and what chesed is, you'd realize is an impossibility. If you are looking for a perfect community, good luck. Never going to find it. If you're looking for a perfect example of what it means to follow Jesus, good luck. You're never going to find it. If you're waiting for everyone else to example and model the Bible in its perfection before you take it seriously and follow Jesus yourself, good luck. Uh, if we're waiting for human kindness and love and faithfulness to be our model of what to live for, good luck. What we are invited to is to God. And God's loyal love towards you is constant, which is why Exodus 34, it was hinted in the video when God gives his name as he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in hesed and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, which is the story of Ruth. God's name is lived out because the people... Uh, all the characters in the early part of the story have been faithless, and God's kindness matches that. This is what God is like. So the invitation is to receive God's love. The invitation is to experience God's love, and God's love will change you and make you want, like Naomi and Ruth, to come back to the place where you experience God's full love. And you know what God's full love is like? It's the end of the story. I'm inviting you. It takes five to seven minutes. Read it for yourself. But at the end of Ruth, Ruth 4.13 says this. So Boaz, this man in the story who rescues Ruth, and Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive. That's chesed. God enabled her to have a baby. And she gave birth to a son. And the woman said to Naomi, Praise be to Yahweh, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. He's given you Boaz. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. God's blessing on Ruth and Boaz is going to impact Naomi. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who's better to you than seven sons, has given birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. She was given a future. Remember at the beginning, she had no husband. She had no sons. She had no future. Now God gave her a future. And the woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, who's the father of David. Remember in the story, the judges are spiraling out of control. The people are out of control. God's going to do something new. And something new starts with a woman who was not of faith which is so helpful. You say, Jose, I don't have much Jesus background. I don't, I don't have a lot of religion in our 
background. I'm new to this whole thing. Fantastic. You know what? You don't need to be pre-qualified with generations of Jesus following. You know what you need? To hear God's word and experience God's chesed. And when you experience God's faithful, loyal love in your life, you know what it could do? It could rapid fire transform your future and the future generations after you. So in a sense, the cycle of brokenness could be broken in your life if you will allow God to be God for you, which is good. Uh, now, the word chesed doesn't show up there, but I wanted you to see it on display. It's the overflowing blessing of God. That's the end of her story. So the first one is Ruth asking God to be God to her daughters. And what do we learn about God's loyal love? Write this down. Resilient faith responds to God's loyal love. That's what we, we, need, we need to get. A resilient faith doesn't just hear about God's goodness and do nothing. A resilient faith hears about God's goodness and does something in return. And we notice it in Ruth's words. She replied to Naomi early on, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where, where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And the, the last one is the most important. Your God is my God. Ruth, when hearing about this God with loyal love over in the land of Naomi's ancestors, says, I'm all in. And even though she has no obligation, she, she's her mother-in-law saying, you're free to go, she's compelled. And th this is the right response. When she hears the overflowing love of God who's provided food for his people in Israel, she's like, I am in. So the first instance is, is Naomi speaking that over her daughters. The second one, Ruth 2.20, uh, says this, the Lord bless him. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness or his hesed to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. The second time you see this word show, show up is Naomi recognized it recognizes that Boaz, who happens to be a distant relative, he's displaying this overflowing kindness, this loyal love. And, and, and you could read the story for yourself, but you realize Boaz does not have to care for this family. Um, Ruth and Naomi are homeless and helpless. They are abs in absolute poverty. But you see the overflow of what it means to follow Jesus. Because someone who's been provided with, in this case, it was Boaz. I'm saying Jesus, even though this is before Jesus, but in our terminology, when someone receives the Lord Jesus Christ and they receive the Holy Spirit, something happens within them and they will now want to be godlike. And to be godlike is to see the broken and the needy and the hungry and the hurting and to be compelled into action. So I love it. What Boaz does is when he hears about the faithfulness of this Ruth and this mother-in-law and their brokenness, but their return home, they've come back to the life of God. What does Boaz do? He says to all the guys around as she's taking food, one, when you're harvesting the food, leave some for her. And by the way, help her out. And two, if you touch her, I will snap your neck. It's not in the Bible, but I think it's the tone of the Bible where he says, I will protect you. 
And, and this is the overflow response. So you have this woman of faith, Naomi, just saying, God, will your favor rest on these ladies? And God is faithful. And, and now you, you, have, you have Naomi recognizing, man, here's a person who's a God follower, in our words, a Jesus follower, and he's showing this kindness. The, res, the, the response, the right response, if you want a resilient faith, is to, to act in kind, out of the kindness of God that's been given to you. Can we, let me just ask you, can you find kindness for other people? Now, I'm not talking about blasé kindness like, oh, I gave an 18% tip because they were, because actually they put it on the screen. It's not like 10%. It's not like 15%. They start with 18 to 25 and make you feel bad if you're going to go lower. Oh, I pressed the big tip button on the thing because I didn't want to look cheap. That's not chesed. But when you see a need and you are overwhelmed and out of the overflow of your heart, you say, God is generous. Therefore, I want to be like God. That's Boaz. And, and that's what it means. The third time is in Ruth 3, verses 10 and 11. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz, replied into the middle of the conversation. The, the kind, this kindness, because Ruth had done the right thing, this chesed is greater than that which you showed early. You've now run after the younger man whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I'll do for you all that you ask. All the people of my town know you're a woman of noble character. So God is the one who demonstrates loyal love. But now we see it in Naomi. We see it in Boaz. We see it in Ruth. All of the, the people in the story, because they've encountered the living God, this is what we need to get, God changed them and they acted like Jesus to people who didn't even deserve it. And so what's the right response? The reality of it is you and I are called to live faithful to Jesus. And here's why. He has already lived faithful to you. Which is why it's so important to talk about resilient faith right now. Because in the last 18 months, we've all seen in our own life, or, or, and or, in the lives of the people that we love around us, a slipping. A slipping. A slipping of the pursuit of Jesus. So rather than living in the land where I worship God regularly, I crawl my way towards Moab. I just slip into what is not healthy and right and good. And if that's you, God's word is loyal love. Now, people like me or others may say like, well, you don't deserve a second chance. And God says, well, I'm going to give it to him anyway. So he's given you today, today. You can return to God's loyal love. You can come back to Christ. And you can experience a love that you don't deserve. And that's like the essence of following Jesus. It's we get a love we don't deserve. But that love is not just meant to be warm fuzzies for us to experience the presence of God. No, that love is transformative. And resilient faith receives the love of Jesus and then in turn chooses to live like Jesus. So we're called to loyal love for one another. And this is why this word is so important, man. It's because the world has been fractured. Would you agree? Like we have been spit to the wind 
we have been so pulled apart, we've been so polarized, we've been so moved in various directions, and, and God's bringing us back. Now, the question is, will we be like Ruth? Honorable, right, Jesus-like. Will we be like Boaz, generous, liberal, kind, protective? Or will we be finger-pointing, judgmental, and only concerned about our rights? The question is, like, who, who, who are we going to be? And so in our family relationships, this matters. Look, if you've got some issues in your family, can I just say, God is already extending grace. The question is, are you? Are you going to extend grace to people? Uh, kindness that's not deserved, generosity and love where it's not deserved. This is what it means to follow Jesus. In your friend group, when you have differences of opinion, and we do at times, like every four years or every two years in every election cycle, we suddenly become vicious. And the funny thing is, and then we calm down until we get vicious again at the next issue. Or are we going to be extenders of loyal love and friendship and say, you know, you belong to Jesus and you belong to me and we can have honest disagreements, but we're not going to get toxic. We're just not. And we're going to agree to disagree. And frankly, before we ask anyone else to change, say like, I've probably been wrong. Because the truth is, your mama won't tell you, but I'll tell you, you've probably been wrong. You've been probably wrong. You say, I wish they would change. Well, why don't you change? You're probably the problem. And we're looking at the other person saying, when they change, I'll give them grace. And God's saying, kids, grow up. Grow up. We all need grace. And in our church, we are reemerging as the people of God. We're crawling out of our foxholes, literally. We're, we're, we're coming out. Now, are we going to live in harmony with one another? Are we going to love one another? Are we going to live committed to one another? Or are we going to be a fractured people that don't display the love of God in Jesus? Um, we get to choose, and the Holy Spirit is here to guide us. So what we're going to do is I'm going to invite the team to come back, and we're going to worship. The first song we're going to worship with is a prayer that God would be with us where we go, that God would be with us where every step we take, that God would guide us, that God would lead us, that we would live for him. And I, I hope that you would make that your prayer. More than anything, I hope that you would follow Jesus. Look, if you're not following Jesus, you can right now. And so I'm going to invite you, whether you're watching um, on the live stream or later, or you're here in the room, the greatest thing that you can do is surrender to God's loyal love and say like, you know what? I don't deserve you, and I don't deserve another chance, but I will gladly take it. That's the heart of repentance. It's the return from rebellion to the place of blessing. And so if you want to, you can receive God's love in Jesus. I encourage you right now to say, Jesus, I am a sinner, and you're the Savior. Save me. It's that uncomplicated. And then in a moment when we take the bread and the cup, that will be your sign of hope. Christ now living in you, the hope of glory. Uh, I pray that you'll receive Jesus even now and that you'll walk with him day by day. So why don't you stand on your feet? If you're at home, grab the bread and the cup. We're gonna sing the song together and, and then we're gonna take communion together and live generous lives together. Uh, Lord, we uh, like the tune that's just humming in the background. We sing of your faithfulness. It's been great towards us. Now we want to live faithful like you, Lord Jesus. Help us and guide us everywhere we go, Lord.
pray in Jesus' name.